Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Twisted Roots podcast. I am Dale Marshall and I am Davina Richardson. And we also have Abigail P. Walcott. She is our technical advisor, manager, and director. Thank you, Miss Abigail Walcott, for helping us today. So where do we start? Um, one of the things I wanted to say, uh, the last couple of podcasts, we we I want to say we touched on mental health, but we talked about a lot of things. And if you know anything about Davina and myself, this is how we dialogue on a regular. We're all over the place. We we uh, we love to talk. We love to share our ideas. We love to argue. We love to um, just you know converse on what's going dissect. on. Dissect. I like that word. And um, that's what we do. And so if it does seem like we're kind of all over the place. Um, Hopefully you'll get used to that and appreciate the, uh, the the method to the madness. So yeah, we we were talking about mental health, and again, we we kind of um, straight. I won't. Well, I don't know. If straight is the right word, but we went in many different directions because the reality is mental health is very broad. It's a huge umbrella, and there are a lot of different. Uh, topics and subjects and factors that fall under that umbrella. So yeah, we will very easily hop from one subject to another. We are hoping that you can keep up with us though. And again, we hope that you appreciate the method to the madness. Um, We have a lot to say. We hope that you will appreciate and enjoy it. Our goal is to, is again, to inform, educate, um, maybe entertain a little bit. And, and definitely make a difference and try to make change. But also tackle some of the learned or uh, doctrine that we have all been fed over the years that can contribute to some dysfunction and maladaptive manifestations that we observe in our day-to-day environments or in our, or in our individual lives. So for myself, I am a alcohol and drug counselor. I am certified in Washington, D.C. and the state of Maryland. I am also a licensed graduate professional counselor in DC and the state of Maryland. So um, I'm. those are the two things that I deal with. I deal with individuals that are dealing with substance use, substance abuse, and uh, addiction. We don't really use the word addiction anymore. We're trying to move away from that. So I, I'll just say a substance use disorder, which is really the same. Um, Miss Davina here, she'll touch more, but she's a she's a social worker and give us a little bit. I am a social worker care coordinator uh, with my primary function being in the healthcare industry. And so my perception has to take into account all of the psychosocial dynamics, not just the mental health, because the health impacts the mental acuity, the mental stability, the mental prowess. And also I have to be aware of any other disorders such as substance abuse or uh, chronic uh, conditions like hypertension, diabetes, all of those major things that will also have a direct impact on mental health as well as your social functioning, your ability to work or maintain your employment or your uh, ability to interact with others or parent your children. So as a social worker, I understand that the nothing happens in a vacuum or a bubble and one thing can overlap if not touch on the next aspect. So that's where my perspective comes from and is born of a broad perspective in that regard. So yeah, I just want to piggyback on that because, you know, as a licensed graduate professional counselor, 
uh, our focus is mental health disorders. And so I mentioned the alcohol and drug counseling. And, and in reality, they're like they're like cousins. For most individuals, they will have co-occurring disorders. Um, some people call it comorbidity, meaning that not only do they have a mental health diagnosis like bipolar, depression, or anxiety, they also have a substance use disorder. And so what I've learned over the years in my training and education and in experience is that one will feed the other. It's a very vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the mental health disorder will cause the person to use because they want to suppress the symptoms of the mental health disorder. But then, you know, because they're using, that can definitely exacerbate the mental health disorder um, because they don't want to use sometimes. And so that may make them more depressed that they can't stop using. And, uh, or when they do stop using, sometimes the anxiety can increase. So, um, so yeah, again, like it's a vicious cycle. So it's like, um, you know, I'm using to medicate, I'm self-medicating, um, you know, because of my mental health disorder, I, I can't manage my, my, uh, emotions or my thoughts and, and I'm having difficulty in life. And let's and, not forget trauma. And trauma. So I, you know what I'd like to do eventually? One day I would love to really, really delve into trauma and, and, and every facet of trauma. I would love to, if I had the funding, I would create an organization like a center that that's all we did was work with individuals trying to heal from their trauma. I'm not going to say cure. I'm going to say heal from their trauma. And so they can have a better quality of life. And a lot of people struggle because what we do with trauma, apparently, is try to get over it and ignore it. And, you know, stigmatize it and vilify it in some instances. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to move away from that. And, and even with the individuals that I've worked with, with substance use disorder, the majority of them, if not all, have been traumatized in some shape, form, or fashion. There is the, the ACEs, which uh -huh. is um, glad you said that. I forget who designed it, but it's 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 like a questionnaire where it, it you check off all the different kinds of trauma that one can experience. And when they did the research and uh, studied individuals that had a substance use disorder the majority of them, quite a, a, a huge percentage of them checked off many of the traumas, if not all. So um, so there's a correlation. There's a serious high relevant correlation between trauma and substance use trauma, disorder. Trauma, substance use, and long-term health outcomes as well. And you know what? And I'm glad you said that. And I didn't mention it, but it's it's really one of my priorities. I do often ask about um, any chronic health conditions. And when I worked for a particular health center not too long ago, um, <laughs> I worked um, with several patients that had chronic health care conditions, and I would check in with them. And, um, and even as a substance use disorder counselor, one of the questions that I'm asking is, do you have any chronic health conditions? Because our mental health can impact our physical health and some, some physical health conditions can impact our, it, it, yeah, you know, impact our mental health. So again, they're like, they, you know, they kind of feed off, they influence one another. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, and, and I know we didn't talk um, maybe in the 
in the capacity that some of you were expecting us to touch on mental health before, but we're doing that now. Like there are lots of screenings out there. So, you know, an individual with certain mental health conditions, what's going to be impacted? Their sleep is going to be impacted. So either they're sleeping too much or they're not sleeping enough. How about their appetite is going to be impacted? Either they're not eating or they're eating very little, or they're all types of foods, or they're overeating. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes th they have no interest or pleasure in things. I can go down the list. Sometimes they're thinking of hurting themselves. Sometimes they're feeling Enjoy, restless, isolating. isolating, restless, or fidgety. Sometimes they're speaking slow or moving slow. They're irritable. Or if they suffer from um, different types of anxieties, a lot of them are aggravated or frustrated even more. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. worried yeah, and get worried. And that's exactly why we want to kind of rein it back in because we touched on those very personal and very specific examples in the first two uh, episodes. But we want to make sure you understood so that you as a listener can relate to what you observe in your community or in your own personal experience so that you can see that, oh, well, yeah, I do make rash decisions or I do uh, compulsively do something or I do impulsively do something. Mm -hmm. And that is all tantamount to mental health and how do you choose to manage it, accept it, or even recognize it. Mm -hmm. So those are all relevant just so you can understand that it's not tangential, but it's all systemic and multifactorial. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked with this uh, psychiatrist a few years ago. I'm still looking for him. I can't find him. However, um, however, um, one of the things he told, and he was a child psychiatrist, and he told me what he learned or what he what he was aware of is that a lot of the kids that he worked with, the children, they when they suffered from depression one of the symptoms was a stomach ache. And so, you know, they would go to their parent and go, oh, I don't feel well, I have a stomach ache. And, you know, the parent would be like, oh, you're okay, you're all right, go to school. And, and, and what he said was sometimes that was a symptom. So again, remember, you know, the, the mental illness or the mental health disorder can cause some physical symptoms. Yeah, yeah. And that was one. And so that was something that would kind of ping on his radar whenever one of the children that he would evaluate said, I'm having stomach aches. And for him, not that it was the only symptom. Of course, he, he screened for others, you know, symptoms, because if anyone know anything about the DSM, you must meet the criteria. We're not just going to be like, oh, you're sleeping a lot. Boom, you must have depression. It doesn't work that way. So there is a criteria. Won't get into that today, maybe another day. But there is a criteria that one must meet. Even for substance use disorder, there's a criteria. People are like, well, she's using drugs every day. And so I get that. However, I still need to do an evaluation and assessment, and they still need to meet the criteria before I can make a diagnosis. So, you know, I've, I've even had an individual say to me, I think everybody's bipolar, you know, every, <laughs> and I had to laugh, but I'm like, unfortunately, no, like, obviously we all, because we're human beings, we have a full range of emotions, emotions. And, responses, and we all can evidence any kind of diagnosis given any particular situation at any point during the day. Exactly. I'm glad you said that. And, and so I, I had to explain that to him, but again, there has to be a criteria. And it also has to be pervasive. 
Exactly. So you're meeting it, those criteria for a certain amount of time, a certain period of time, weeks or months or whatever, based on the particular uh, disorder. So don't think that if you're feeling down today and you may last a little longer than an hour, no, you're not necessarily manic depressive or you're not necessarily uh, dysthymic or what have you. It just means that maybe you might want to keep it on your radar. You might want to pay attention to the factors that contribute or trigger, that's more of a clinical term, um, that trigger those responses, those emotional manifestations. So, you know, you, you mentioned triggers and again, I'm going to, you're going to always hear me talk about self-awareness because again, when you are self-aware, you are paying attention to what you're feeling and what's triggering those feelings. And that's really, really important. But a lot of people struggle with the word self because we have been trained or conditioned to believe that selfish is automatically synonymous when you think of the word self. So if you say self-preservation, self-actualization, the first thing people tend to try to associate or conflate with that is that you are excluding everyone else only to your benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a negative thing. Uh, we were talking a moment ago during the break about uh, self-awareness, self-preservation, and things like that. And it's uh, not a negative thing. It's not a negative thing to have some insight to your experience, your circumstances. It's not necessarily a negative thing to take care of yourself. So taking care of your physical health, taking care of your mental, taking care of your financial health, mm -hmm. they all are tethered and tied together. And if there's a, if there's, a crack in one, make no mistake, that crack can ripple Absolutely. to the others. Absolutely. And so, again, just to kind of make sure we reemphasize that it is multifactorial. If you resolve one, didn't doesn't mean that you don't have to be on guard and observe and evaluate the others. Exactly. Um, I said I'm again. <laughs> uh, quickly, just self-preservation. I work with many clients and I often get the, I have to be strong. You know, someone had passed like, or died. I, should, I prefer to use the word died because that's really what it is. Someone, a relative died and they said, I, I can't go in there crying. I have to be strong. I said, why can't you cry? What's, what's wrong with you crying? Like someone just died up why why would you not allow yourself to express that sadness and that loss but that's how we're trained yeah, and conditioned that's what I was say two things when you said that made me think of two things one we are we stigmatize anyone who seeks help for mental health mm -hmm. and then we also stigmatize people who are, we perceive as being weak and sadness or giving place to emotions in a physical sense such as uh, manifesting tears or letting someone get to you we automatically perceive that as evidencing some sort of weakness in our character or in, in our ability to maintain our individual selves. But it's not weakness. And I think that we have to move away from, especially from the narrative that the them has trained us that one, we, we endorse pain and trauma better. Two, mm. we're not supposed to ask for help. Three, we're not supposed to expect help. So we have to move away from all those things, which directly 
keeps us from getting the help that is most appropriate. And sometimes that could be a mental health practitioner or a mental health professional, mm -hmm. or that may be my favorite word, setting boundaries. That means you might have to say no to some people that you're accustomed to saying yes to because mm -hmm. you want to keep them in good graces. You don't want to offend. You want to be politically correct. Well, guess what? If your boss is constantly berating you and expect you to take it because you get a paycheck, well, no. Guess what? There are resources and provisions. There is HR. There is boundaries that you can mm -hmm. set just in a human person to person mm -hmm. space. You can say, you know what? I don't think this is a productive conversation. This is just basic coping skills that I just want to throw out there because a lot of us are having um, difficult interactions these days just because of the space that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes saying that, you know what? I'm not finding this to be productive. I'm not finding this to be beneficial. I'm finding that this is not helpful. For me, I might need to walk away. Or we might need to revisit this at another time. I am so great at doing that. And for a lot of people, and you know who I'm talking about, there, there are some people that get off on berating and belittling people because they have a title. And I promise you, we are the best of friends because I have learned by and large that when you set that boundary and you stick to it, they respect you more. And so for me, it's not that I'm strong. I'm not that I'm outspoken. I mean, I am, but... The reality is I learn what is healthful for me. I have to set boundaries because I cannot be my true, genuine self, which is a helper and advocate. I can't be there if I am all distracted and worked up or triggered because I am not managing my interaction and relationships with people. So I just want to jump in real quick, you know, back to the self-preservation. I think um, it's a good thing to take care of yourself and being strong means allowing yourself to be vulnerable when yes. you feel vulnerable that's yes. that's strength strength is um understanding your limits your limits and and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone allowing yourself to grow that's what strength is dealing with situations not avoiding them yes. and don't get me wrong sometimes we need to we need to sit back set back regroup yes you know think some things through get some additional resources that's okay but to never come back to that situation at hand and deal with it that's not helpful that's not growth you know um so again allowing yourself to be vulnerable allowing to sit in that space and figure out you know allowing yourself what to do i need to help. do and asking for help and it's okay. But again, we feel like we got to figure everything out. And it's like, why do you feel like you have to figure every single thing out on your own? It's like, I don't know everything. So why would I be able to figure every single thing out that comes my way? At some point I will have to make a decision, but I can make that decision with the assistance of some feedback or some suggestions or recommendations from someone else that knows a little bit more or a lot more. It's okay. It doesn't make you less of a human being because you need help. And we do need to discard that belief, that idea that goes back to unhealthy thinking patterns that I touched on, I think in a previous uh, podcast. There's a, and one day I will go through those unhealthy thinking patterns with you all. We have to do away with that and start practicing healthy cognitive patterns, healthy, positive self-talk and shift away from the negative self-talk and the negative. Any, any therapist worth their salt, it, it, that's, they're going to encourage you, especially if you are an individual that experiences negative self-talk and negative or thoughts. Or a history of trauma. They're going to encourage you 
So the trauma can cause that. So mm -hmm. that can be the, the source of that. So, but they're going to encourage you cognitive therapy to try and catch those, those negative thoughts and redirect them and redirect yes. them. Cause number one, again, you don't want it to manifest into behavior and you don't want it to infect every other thought that's coming afterwards. And I've had individuals say, well, that's just me lying to myself because she's telling herself positive things and repeating positive affirmations. I said, why is it a lie that you're telling yourself you want to do better and that I'm going to do my best to do better? Why is that a lie? Right. Why does that have to be a lie? It's predictive. And I think people don't recognize the difference in language. Mm. I'm going, not I am better. You said I'm going exactly, to do better. And exactly. so we have to reframe the language, the scripting that we have, that 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 voice in our heads. We have to learn or be willing to reframe and retrain it. And so one of the things when you were talking about uh, resources, you know, I definitely want to reemphasize that if you do have a, a primary doctor, you want to discuss those things, especially if you recognize that it's starting to have an effect in a particular domain or area of your life. If you're experiencing or something is manifesting into a situation or experience that you find to be adverse or negative, reach out to your primary doctor. Mention the next time you have a physical, have an annual physical, because that's mm -hmm. where some things are actually identified and caught, because yes. you never know if there's a physical component that is affecting your mental health. So if you have access to a primary doctor, have that conversation about your mental and emotional experience. If you don't have a regular primary doctor, there are many urgent care facilities that can give you some of the same information. If you are connected to a community group, I'm sure that there is a case manager or advocate that you can run those scenarios and situations by, and they may be able to connect you to another resource. Or if you live in the state of Maryland, you have uh, county resources. You can always look into Maryland Access Point. You can look into other commercial avenues like Psychology Today. You can find mental health professionals who will um, work with you on a sliding scale, who will work with your insurance, who can do it virtually, face-to-face. -face. Uh, there are a number of resources. And there are also some crisis resources, crisis hotline, community crisis. Mm -hmm. They have 24-hour um, non-judgmental individuals who will mm -hmm. talk with you and help you walk through your circumstances. And they will they are inviting. I love it because I used to work there 24-7 and the people love who they love. And I mean, the the callers, they have found it to be very useful and beneficial and it's free. So also, I don't think I heard you mention, you can call your insurance company if you have insurance Absolutely. and your insurance company will, one of two things, they will go down the list with you because they'll have it. They can pull it up on their computer and they, you just tell them your location and they can give you a couple of names or numbers or they'll mail it to you or email you a list of providers. One thing I want to touch on, absolutely get your annual physical every year. And if you're having any type of those mental health disorder symptoms that we talked about, you know, eat, sleep, you know, you're feeling irritable, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling fidgety, restless, any of those things, you're having any suicidal thoughts. Water intake, and so if you're having any of those, communicate that to your primary. However, your primary should be referring you to someone who in behavioral health. Mm -hmm. I have to say this because, and, and I, I don't know if I'm going to step on the toes of primary health care physicians, but their scope of practice is not behavioral health. So mm -hmm. I, I do feel some sort of way when I'm talking to someone and they go, yeah, I've been on Prozac or Zoloft. 
And I'm like, well, who's your psychiatrist? And they go, oh, my primary care had been prescribing this for years. So that means no follow-up with any type of psychiatrist or therapy, no proper assessment or evaluation has been done. And again, I have a problem. One of the things, you've got to think about code of ethics. And that's one of the things that's pounded into our head, our code of ethics, because every every, uh, provider has a code of ethics okay and the other thing is you're supposed to stay within your scope of practice so listen i'm not looking at at anybody's feet because i'm not a podiatrist i'm not looking at anyone's eyes because i'm not an ophthalmologist and i'm not doing anybody's hair because i'm not a hairstylist i am a alcohol and drug counselor and i am a soon-to-be lpc that is what i am and so i stick to my scope of practice um i will again we talked about physical health so yeah if someone there's some things i know because i've been around for a while so you know i will give people information but opinion or whatever but i'm still referring them to someone who specializes in that you know i've had knee problems so when people are talking about knee problems and, and i see they're 300 pounds yeah, I'm going to make, make a recommendation. I'm going to let them know when you get to that orthopedic surgeon, they're probably going to suggest that you lose some weight. I'm just giving or you, you a heads up. Talk to a dietitian or nutritionist. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, and I printed out list of good carbs and bad carbs. So I feel like me, I'm giving them information, but I, I feel like I'm still staying within my scope of practice. Providing intervention. And exactly, exactly. Because I am allowed to give information. As long as I'm not grabbing a scalpel or a thread and needle and sewing anybody up, I'm good. And I, and I don't prescribe because I'm not allowed. So, you know, again, it's okay for me to give information now. And I love educating and I love being educated and I love giving information. And just for clarification, um, not all physicians are barred from providing uh, any psychiatric experience if they are a psychiatric specialized physician because we do have some of those who are internal medicine with specialty in psychiatry um so that's not to say so you just have to be aware of who you're working with and what skill or specialty they bring to the table and whether or not it's appropriate to meet the need that you present with and so just to i'm going to backtrack and 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 piggyback on that so again if you're going to be prescribed a psychotropic med again any healthcare provider worth their salt and I don't know if I'm saying that right, worth their weight and salt. There we go. They should be referring you still to a therapist. Mm -hmm. You should, because medication is not a fix Fix all. all. It's not. It is, it is there to help stabilize you. Medication therapy should be occurring only in, in, in conjunction with talk therapy or some type of psychotherapy they work it's much more effective when you you have both of them it it just because again the medication is it's just a component of it however you still got to look at the behaviors and the symptoms and 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 you got to obviously you may not want to hear this the reality is if your mental health is going to improve you're going to have to make some changes and the medication process. and it won't change. Exactly. Exactly. And the medication is not just going to, again, change your lifestyle, and change your behaviors, your beliefs or whatever like that, or your behaviors meeting with a therapist. That's going to allow you to evaluate, evaluate assess and reflect 
what your life look, looks like and what you need to do for yourself to make it better, Absolutely. to make it the way that you want it. The goals you have for yourself. Exactly. So, so yeah. So please don't think that, and I've had people that said, I don't want medication because it doesn't fix anything. And I'm like, no, it's not a cure. It's not supposed to cure. It, again, That's it's supposed to help. That's another misconception we're fed is that a pill will fix it all. And, that, and that's not for your benefit. That's for the pharmaceutical company's benefit. I'm just saying. So, um, so yeah. So, again, just um, I think we our only focus today, obviously, was mental health. And I'm glad that we took the time to do that. So, again, I, I want to reiterate that it's really important that you invest in yourself and in your health. And you taking time out because a lot of people, they're like, well, I can't do this because of the kids. I can't do this because of work. I can't do this because my grandmother. I can't do this because it's raining. And it's like your mental health, if you have a history, let's start with that real quick because we are we are about to run out of time. If you have a history of mental health um, disorders or disorder, singular, and you have not been managing it and you have not throughout the years developed healthy, and I repeat, healthy coping skills, I strongly encourage you to um, revisit, you know, getting into some type of treatment and seeking some assistance with that because we all need coping skills and we all need, you know, techniques and tools to help manage, you know, the day-to-day life and to improve our functioning. So, so yeah, it's only selfish when you're when you're vicious and violent and stepping on people's toes and and stabbing people in the back. If you're not doing any of those things, you are, you are quite within your right to take care of yourself, to take time out and um, to address your needs as as appropriate. Yeah. So I want to thank you all for joining us today. It was definitely my pleasure. I appreciate it. Um, You listening, give us your opinion, give us some feedback Again, this is the Twisted Roots Podcast, and I'm Dale Marshall. And I'm Davina Richardson. Join us again soon. Thank you so much. You have a good one. Bye now.